Thanks to LinkedIn for supporting this episode of Market Foolery. LinkedIn Jobs uses knowledge of both hard and soft skills to match you with the people who fit your role the best. Post a job today at LinkedIn.com/fool and get fifty dollars off your first job post. It's Wednesday, October twenty third. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me in studio. Jim Mueller in the house. Thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. We've got a few headlines to get to. We're going to start with what I like to call the CEO version of musical chairs, <laughs> because Tuesday morning, Under Armour announced Kevin Plank is stepping down as CEO in January. And then later in the day on Tuesday, sort of late afternoon, Nike announced that CEO Mark Parker also stepping down in January. Uh, he's going to be replaced by John Donahoe, who is a board member at Nike. He is also the CEO of a software company called ServiceNow. So he'll be—he's been CEO there for nearly three years. He's going to be right. leaving that. And Bill McDermott, who a couple of weeks ago stepped down or was forced out, depending on which version of events you decide to believe, um, he left SAP after being CEO for nearly a decade. He's now going to be the CEO at ServiceNow. So, the musical chairs continues. Let's let's start with Nike and shares down a little bit on the news, and probably not a surprise when you consider Parker's been running this company since 2006, and right. if you're a shareholder under his tenure, you have done very, very well. Oh, yeah, you're, you're quite happy. Uh, so, Parker was the second CEO at, at Nike, following uh, Phil Knight, and he took over in 2006. But there's probably been some. I know there have been rumors, at least, that uh, the CEO succession at Nike is uh, being thought about. Uh, for instance, three years ago, after China Chief Michael Spillane was promoted to President of Product and Marketing, and that was his fifth promotion in nine years, so he's moving up the ranks pretty quickly. Uh, People were wondering, oh, is he being groomed as, as the next successor? Um, but there was also COO uh, Eric Sprunk and brand president Trevor Edwards. And uh, the latter man, uh, gentleman especially was seen as, as the primary contender. But then a couple of years ago, uh, Edwards was forced out in March of 2018 amid, amid allegations of inappropriate behavior. And we'll leave it at that. So... Parker's uh, a comment yesterday during an interview that, hey, this has been months in the planning. You don't do this in just a couple of weeks, uh, is probably true. Uh, but I'm, I'm kind of wondering what the timing has to do with, yeah. with the. I mean, Under Armour announces uh, a plank stepping down, and Nike says, oh, we, maybe we want to get in on that news too. Or is it more related uh, to the drug uh, doping thing that's been coming out, and whether Parker knew about it or not, and the speculation there? Or is it just, hey, today just happened to be the same day that all this other stuff was coming out? Yeah, and and you know the the drug doping uh, thing that you mentioned that's uh, related to Alberto Salazar uh, mm -hmm. running coach tied to Nike um, over the last few weeks uh, some stories have come out about that and that and that and the extent to which Parker knew about that yeah uh, there are also some some questions around that um, that I find the timing fascinating because <laughs> I, I I just thought there's no way. Or you're going to have a very hard time convincing me that this is a coincidence. I mean, my, I, all things being equal, because Nike has been the clear leader in the category right. for so long, and Kevin Plank has been very clear in his time at Under Armour, you know, running that company, he was gunning for Nike the whole time. Right. 
in most situations, I would believe that Under Armour maybe got wind of this and they moved up their announcement. Uh. I actually think in this situation, I think it's the reverse. I think that Nike may have just decided, you know what, we were going to announce this later this week, or maybe we were going to tie it to our earnings report. You know what? Let's just do this right now. And so maybe uh, when Plank says, "Okay, I'm I'm out," and Parker says, "Yes." Score column, win column. Yeah. There we go. Um, so let's talk about Donahoe for a second. I, I don't know a ton about him. Um, what I do know is that his experience as an executive um, is very much in the tech space. As I mentioned, yes. ServiceNow is a software company. He was an executive at eBay. Uh, he was the CEO of eBay. Yeah. The for, chief executive, yeah, for years, um, and made a bunch of acquisitions under there. So yep. I, I think if you are a Nike shareholder again. It's only down a couple of percentage points. I don't think that's necessarily a knock on Donahoe. I think that's more just Parker's done such a great job. It's it's natural to see it drop a little bit. But I think if you're if you're looking at the elevation of Donahoe, it's um, it's with an eye towards his tech experience and Nike increasingly relying on technology to move product. Right. And it's, and and I think the uh, again the narrative is that that's why he's the why he was named. He's been a director for a couple of years uh, at Nike. Uh, he was the CEO of uh, eBay for what 7 8 years uh, until 2015. Uh, he's been the chairman of PayPal. He oversaw the spin-off of PayPal from eBay, but that was kind of forced upon him and and eBay by Carl Icahn's uh, Activision Activision <laughs> Active What's the word? Activism. Activism. Thank you. Um, but he's expected to uh, come into Nike and use his tech savvy to probably continue the digital transformation that has really been driving some good results for Nike. Uh, they've got their Nike Plus membership. Uh, they're getting being able to get more personalized in their advertising for that, and they're seeing some big up uh, uh, responses uh, to that and. Along with that, uh, some product tracking and inventory management. A lot, so a lot of good things are happening with Nike from a tech perspective, and I think uh, Donahoe is going to uh, continue that. Yeah, maybe a better indication for Nike shareholders is what's happening with shares of ServiceNow, because that stock's <laughs> down about ten percent since it was announced. No, that, that, don't uh, let him go. The Donahoe is leaving. Uh, let's move on to Chipotle. Uh, another great quarter for Chipotle. Same store sales, such a crucial metric for any restaurant out there. Up 11%. That's nearly two percentage points higher yep. than expected. The stock is down close to 5% today. Is that just because of the run that it has had to this point? Because it's it's been on an amazing tear. It could be that, well, let me hit some of the points and then come yeah. back to that. All right. Yeah. There were other numbers. So, uh, comps. I think that was the biggest uh, number and really kind of surprised me. 11% is huge when you're a restaurant. Uh, 7.5% of that uh, was on transactions. That's more people buying more stuff. 3.5% uh, was on average check, with about 2.5% of that coming from price increases last year. But the fact that they're getting more digital orders, and digital orders tend to be larger size checks uh, for that. And that's uh, the the eleven percent comps is higher than what they've had all year. Nine point nine percent Q one, ten percent Q two, now eleven percent Q three. Though this will, will certainly make next year harder to harder to beat. But that aside, uh, their digital thing is really going up. Uh, they saw eighty eight percent increase in sales of digital orders, and now that's like eighteen percent of total sales. So that's pretty good. And the rewards club is is. Really beginning to uh, play into that, and so uh, 
They also said they're going to um, open some more of their drive-through, and literally, that's a drive-through. You don't stop to order; you just drive up to the window and pick up pick up the stuff. And that's tied into their digi- digital sales as well. But why are the shares down five percent? Maybe it's well, the the, the the company's shares have had a fantastic run. They're up twenty percent since the beginning of June. Maybe investors are just saying, "Hey, that was a great quarter. Thank you very much," and could take some money off the table. Maybe it's a bunch of the analysts not raising their uh, their expectations. A bunch of analysts came out with higher price targets, but nobody actually moved their uh, thing from hold to outperform or market perform to overweight or whatever the language is. But you look at the job that Brian Nichol has done as CEO, and uh, yeah, quarter after quarter, Chipotle has delivered under his leadership, and it may be that the stock has entered that territory that we see from time to time when. Businesses have a great two to three year run, and it's essentially this was a phenomenal quarter, but it wasn't perfect because now <laughs> because we're greedy, we want to see you beating on everything and raising guidance. Yeah, they almost did beat on everything, but uh, actually, I think I know why the the shares were down. Uh, it was announced that their uh, limited time carne asada uh, meat product is going to run off in November, so everyone's disappointed. About that. <laughs> everyone's angry. Um, where do you think and uh, Again, let me just couch this by saying, I don't think there's any pressure whatsoever on Brian Nickel, given the job that he's done. But I am curious where you think the growth for Chipotle comes over the next three years, because there was a point in this business's history when they were doing so well with the namesake concept mm-hmm. that people were looking to the shop house Asian mm-hmm. cuisine concept as, well, that's where future growth is going to come from. We're not going to get as many locations as we have Chipotle, but we're going to get you know, a few hundred, um, those have essentially been closed down. So, do they begin to resurrect some of those ideas, or do you think it's just more digital, more locations, and um, finding ways to bump up the average ticket price? Um, I don't think they're going to go into other concepts quite yet. Uh, given their experience, they're probably a little gun shy right there. Uh, that might come down. That might come to pass down the road. I think they're going to push more into di- digital and get more people ordering, and so they, they can just walk in and walk out and pick up their stuff. Uh, that, as well as the drive-through, uh, what they call Chipotle Lane. Uh, yeah, terrible name, right? Actually, it's kind of funny, but I mean, <laughs> judged it's, by your reaction, it's it's not it's it's no worse than the Zestimate that the Zillow <laughs> forces on us. But. Setting the name aside, I think that's going to be a really good driver for the company, and that means they could open a second product line of just fulfilling orders through that and through more digital sales, and as well as having more customers come through the door. So I think that's where the growth is going to be. A trial of various things, carne asada apparently did very well. Are they going to bring in some breakfast at some point? Probably. So I think they're going to continue. Expanding what they're working on, focusing on their core Chipotle thing, and then maybe a few years down the road might start thinking about other concepts. Quick shout out to LinkedIn. Hiring is not as simple as putting an ad in the paper or posting it to a job board. If you're hiring, if you're doing any kind of hiring, whether you've got your own business or you're just part of a team that's hiring, you already know this. When you're juggling hiring with everything it takes to grow your business, or just your division, it's important that you reach the right candidates at the right time. And that's where LinkedIn comes in. Over 600 
million members visit LinkedIn to make connections, learn and grow as professionals, and discover new job opportunities. And that's how LinkedIn makes sure your job post gets in front of people with the right hard skills and the right soft skills to meet your role requirements. Things like collaboration, work ethic, adaptability. LinkedIn does the legwork to match you to the most qualified candidates so you can focus on hiring the person who's going to help transform your business. And you can get $50 off your first job post. Take that $50, go to Chipotle, and bump up the ticket price. <laughs> you just go to LinkedIn.com slash fool. That's LinkedIn.com slash fool for $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. We work continues to stay in the headlines, despite the fact that... Uh, well, this is the most entertaining story of the year. It really is. And with, with every passing part of this story, I find myself thinking about the end of the year when we do an episode of Motley Fool Money where we look back at 2019. WeWork is absolutely going to be a part of that episode. <laughs> um, the latest uh, headline is the admission that now that SoftBank has taken it over, and it's SoftBank's problem now, because they've sunk so much money into it, that uh, WeWork was going to be out of cash by this Friday. Yeah. This is... Well, now we know why they were pushing so hard to go public, right? Because they needed the money. Right. Well, so, and it's and, and and I know you have a couple of thoughts, but I'll, I'll just say that one of my thoughts when I looked at this is it's just a great reminder for as exciting as it is when companies go public. And I think we, as investors, we always get to some level of excitement. Um, sometimes it's a business where we've read the S one and we know, oh, this is going to be great. I can't wait to be mm-hmm. a part of it. Sometimes it's just like, well, let's just see how they do. It's a, more of a curiosity. Um, and then there's companies that have an S one that just make totally no sense right. at all, um, and, and and shares are coming public, and everyone's excited. Right. Why are you excited? Well, and and it, it's always good to ask, just stop and ask the question. Why? Why is this company going public? Do they need the money? Um, in the case of a company like Facebook, where they reached a point where it's like, well, technically we have to because of the number of shareholders and all that right. sort of thing. And in the case of WeWork, it was. It's just, well, now we know why. Because... Now we know why, because it was a house of of cards. So yeah. So as as I hinted at, the IPO process actually worked out in rejecting a company that had no business going public. Uh, Especially since uh, they were losing money hand over fist, and they were doing all kinds of weird stuff. I'd use stronger language, but this is a family show, right? Yes. So <laughs> always appreciated. So, uh, but so that's that's one observation. Um, a couple of other thoughts about this whole process is I don't think tech can change the underlying economics of whatever market you're in. WeWork was pushing itself as this tech solution of of real estate, and but real estate is not tech. And it's it's capital intensive. You have to lease or buy a bunch of properties. Then you have to find tenants to uh, to rent the space, and you make money on basically on the spread between the cost of your lease and the, the money you get from your tenants. And those tenants are not going to magically appear, right? And you're not going to be uh, you're not going to magically pull them from other lease spaces where they have five year commitments or what what have you. So it's it's a really tough business to be in, and the tech itself won't solve the problem. And I'm reminded of, of a story Warren Buffett told years and years ago about not investing in brand new technology for his uh, for the looms back when Berkshire Hathaway was a a, a, clo- uh, a, a, a shirt maker, a, a shirt maker fa- uh, fabric maker. And they said, he was saying, we could do that, but then everyone else is also going to be investing in that same tech. And so any advantage we get out of that is going to disappear real quickly. And I think the same is being found out for a lot of these 
companies that are doing tech for manufacturing or tech for real products ha- having to be built and sold to customers in that your competitors are going to you you come up with some technology advantage and they're going to come up with it and follow you right along and so any advantage you have disappears so that's that's point number 2 and then number 3 i think softbank by doing this is going to end up being hurt pretty badly and i think they're making a mistake but it is one of, one of the hardest phrases to say in whatever language you're speaking be it english or japanese is i was wrong and i think uh, uh mr mr son should come out and say, I was wrong. We need to cut our losses and get out of this. Let the company fail. Let the capital markets do their thing in destroying companies that don't deserve to live. And But they've put in so much money. I've seen reports anywhere from $10.5 billion to $18 billion, depends on who's, who's talking. They've sunk so much, and now they're putting in five or six or seven more billion dollars into this thing, and it's only worth $8 billion. So they've, they've lost a lot of money already on, on paper, and they don't want to realize it. But they're also, SoftBank itself is also raising funds for a new vision fund, and so they can't they they don't want to scare away investors for that by saying oh we made a huge mistake and by the way we're going to make mistakes with your money too so <laughs> uh, going back to the the S1 filing i talked to one analyst this morning who said that when he read WeWork's filing to go public he got incredibly excited because <laughs> he couldn't wait to short the stock yeah and he just thought oh my gosh if they're actually going to go public at a Valuation of forty-seven billion. I will short this <laughs> to every extent possible. Yeah, definitely, I was I was thinking the same thing, but uh, didn't get the chance. Uh, sorry, maybe next time. <laughs> Jim Mueller, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Austin Morgan. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.